Welcome to Monday Morning Coffee with Inside the Firm. Each week, our hosts will be interviewing local, regional, and national business leaders to give you an inside peek into how they lead their business to success in the ever-competitive business climate. Welcome to Monday Morning Coffee with Inside the Firm. Today, our guest is Phil Elmore. Phil is a working writer, journalist, editor, content creator, voice actor, and videographer based in New York. He has been a full-time technical and freelance writer for 25 years and is now launching the Self-Publishing Report and the Ghost Writing Report, a coaching business designed to help anyone take their project from idea to completed book to fully developed funnel for making money. Phil, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. It's my pleasure. Why don't you peel back the, the onion a bit for us before we begin here and tell us how you got into writing. Well, that's a, that's a very long story that I will condense down to a very short one. Um, I went to college thinking I was going to double major in computer science and accounting. And when I discovered that I hated computers, I thought, well, that's, that's a mistake. So I went into accounting. And the accounting degree teaches you about three years into a four-year degree that you didn't want one. Uh, and then when I got out of college, uh, all of this was an attempt to flee the company business, the family business. My father was a self-employed technical writer for many, many years. And uh, eventually I got a job out of college doing something that was sort of vaguely accounting. And uh, he came to me and said, I'd like to keep it in the family. I need to expand. Would you be willing to come work for me as a technical writer? So he trained me to be a technical writer. And as luck would have it, also trained me to be a novelist without me knowing it or him hmm. knowing it because my father had an extensive collection of action novels that I used to read as a teenager for fun, um, hundreds and hundreds of books. And one of those series was called The Executioner, which would eventually become an idea that was sort of stolen to become the Punisher of comic books. But The Executioner series was produced by Harlequin for many, many years under a sub imprint. And uh, it's basically the story of a man who made the very reasonable decision to shoot all criminals after they figured in the death of his family, um, as any of us would. So <laughs> I wrote two dozen novels in the Executioner series because I had been reading those books all my life. I had been doing the research all my life. Um, and the sort of twin uh, path of working as a technical writer and being trained to do that work, which is really unlike what anyone thinks technical writing is. I took a course in college called technical writing or no resemblance to what I ended up doing. But as a result of that, and as all those years of reading and wanting to be a novelist and wanting to write a novelist, uh, write a novel, I wrote a terrible novel when I got out of college, and then I wrote another terrible novel. You only get one first novel. Most of them are awful. Uh, and then I, through some networking connections, was able to get an, a foot in the door at Harlequin and in a sample chapter. And it was close enough to what they were doing that they said, okay, write a book, prove to us you can do it. So I did. And then I did it again 20, 22 more times. And Holy cow. About the 10th time, it starts to feel like work. But the whole time I was writing novels, I was also writing, uh, I was doing technical writing, writing documentation for machinery, writing instructions. Uh, later, I would get into writing web copy, working for internet marketers, doing internet marketing. There's almost no genre of writing that I didn't end up touching in my career as a working writer. And I make the distinction between that and being an author in that anyone, if they really try hard enough, can become an author and finish a book. They can write a book, even though no one ever writes a book, but I'll 
get to that. You can produce a novel if you choose. You can produce a nonfiction book if you work at it. But a working writer is someone who is actually making a living off of the sweat of their brain, actually producing words that are in turn producing money. And that is a lot harder to do and a lot more stressful. I, I like to say that you're not a working writer until you'd like to be able to go to bed now, but you can't because this has to be done because you're under deadline. Uh, and uh, two and a half decades later, I'm, I'm still doing it. And uh, I, that's all I do. My life is a series of desks. I write at this desk. Sometimes I write at a different desk. Sometimes people loan me desks and I write there. But the end result is always fiction and nonfiction for various clients who need what I do. Sometimes people who are trying to write their own books and I'm helping them write or edit or ghostwrite their books. Um, and that's where the idea for the coaching business came about. Not just because there's lots of people out there who'd like to be able to write a novel, but because there's so many business people who could benefit from having a nonfiction book for their business and they don't realize it. And, and sometimes they've never even considered the concept, but sometimes they've maybe thought about that it could help them, but they have no idea how to get from here to there because it seems impossible. No one ever writes a book. You write a chapter and then you do it a bunch more times and that reduces it to a, a doable level. So something that doesn't seem impossible. You know, it's, it's the old adage, the journey of a million miles starts with a single step. Well, you don't write a book until you write a chapter. And if you can do that one, you can do 20 more. Yeah, I believe it. Uh, to back up just a little bit, when, so, so was your, your dad was, was the technical writer? Yes, my, my father was trained as an engineer, became a manager, decided he hated being a manager, uh, went into business for himself as a technical writer. That's when I discovered that that was a thing. I had no idea as a, as a teenager in the 1980s that technical writer was a job that people had. Um, so not only did he make this concept exist for me, but during my summers, my summer jobs when I was in college was doing computer-aided drafting for my father's technical writing company. Uh, and then he later trained me to do technical writing, trained me in all the aspects of it, from dealing with the engineers to getting the information to doing the actual writing. Then many years later, when his, his small business finally folded, he took a job working for an industrial firm in Western New York eventually decided to retire from that job. I applied for his job and I got it. So I have had this bizarre experience of being a second generation technical writer at a company in which my family owns no interest whatsoever because they said, well, the first one worked out, get us another one that looks just like it. And so they did. Well, that's so, hilarious. Yeah. It, yeah. It's actually a little sentimental for me because my father trained me to do that work. And then I was there being trained by him to do that job right before he retired. So it's like this full circle experience that very few people get to have. 100%. Yeah. Tell us a little bit more about uh, unpack, you know, what is the self-publishing report and the ghostwriting report? It sounds like they're two different things, but sort of similar. Well, it's, it really has to do with, with the outcomes. Uh, the, the coaching business will help you take your idea and have that idea become a completed book and then take that completed book to a fully developed funnel that will help you make money from it. But there's a lot of different paths to get there. There are people who want to write a novel and they would like to find a way to market that novel or, or just to have it exist. There are people who want to write a nonfiction book. For example, I have a client who's a realtor. He wrote a book, not only about his realty system, but about uh, like an app he's developing that goes with it, that sort of thing. And this is a wonderful calling card to leave people. 
I'm such a great realtor. I wrote a whole book on the topic. Here you go. Most people are going to read that book, find it very informative, and then go, that guy knows what he's doing. Hire him. They're not going to go out and start their own house flipping business because it's, it's more work than they want to do. In the same way, in a lot of cases, the fact that I can teach you how to put together the book that you want to, to write or are thinking about writing kind of pales in comparison to the fact that I can also produce that book for you if you don't have the time or the inclination to write it yourself. Fiction tends to be something that most people don't want to just flat out ghostwrite because a lot of people who want to author a book want to be authors and having someone else do it for them is not the experience they're looking for. But sometimes it is. Sometimes it's an IP development hook. I have worked for multiple IP development companies whose job was to create a property that could be sold for video games and television franchises and anything in between. So they would come to me with a concept and say, we need a novel that goes with this property. Make it as if you're starting a franchise, create this thing for us. Here are the specifications. So that's a case where fiction actually is more business than it is entertainment, even though hopefully it's both. Um, and so I've had the really pleasurable experience of being able to work multiple aspects of this industry and come at it from different angles. And in the process, learn a lot about how different parts of the industry work. Um, I've ghostwritten so many books that I'm not even allowed to say that I wrote. I have written more books that do have my name on them. I've co-written books. Um, I've edited nonfiction. And I'm always a little surprised when I get credit for the editing because I feel like that's a behind the scenes job. But sometimes I, I do get credited. I've done forwards for books. Um, years ago, I published some martial arts books with Paladin Press uh, that have achieved a kind of pop culture infamy. Uh, one of those books was made fun of on At Midnight, the show on Comedy Central, and I've, I've seen it crop up in a few of it. There's nothing weirder than putting out a very small, insignificant instructional book on swords, let's say, only for 10 years later to see Chris Hardwick making fun of the cover of the book on a television show. <laughs> And it's always weird to me how the timing of that works. Like a decade later, someone discovered that this was funny. And I don't disagree, but it's always interesting. You think, okay, when you start out in your writing career, I'm going to get famous writing books about martial arts and cool guy stuff and action novels. And my best-selling book is a book about CPAP machines um, because <laughs> I have one and it's helped me to not die. So I wrote about that. And that is to this date, my best-selling book. So life is not without a sense of irony in this industry. Absolutely. Yeah, I can't imagine, especially when you're going in so, so many different topics. I mean, you can't predict the future and the way yeah. people are going to react to these things. Um, well, so you, you, you stated one thing earlier that really intrigued me, that every business owner should benefit, you know, could benefit from writing their own book. Uh, what does that mean? T t tell us. A book is multiple things, and it can be different things to different companies. In the case of my realty client, it's a calling card and a, and a means of marketing. In some cases, your book could be sort of like, this is a, a physical representation of my repertoire. These are the skills that I bring to the table. The book could be a way of simply ingratiating yourselves to clients by showing them goodwill, showing them, for example, um, I have a client who's a gala planner and he's writing a book about gala planning. I don't believe that anyone is going to necessarily buy that book and run right out and start a competing Gale planning business. More than likely, they're going to read his stories, find it interesting and go, well, that's the guy I want doing my planning is the man who wrote the book about it. Um, and then there's, there's other ways uh, to use a book depending on the nature of the book. Fiction 
is less common, obviously, for obvious reasons, but not uncommon. I actually helped write a series of survival books for an internet marketer who works in the survival space. And the books are literally just fiction about a man surviving emergencies. And they sort of impart educational concepts in the course of telling the story. But really the story is the point. What does he do with those books? He sells them to his audience so that they'll be entertained. It builds goodwill. It shows that he's part of that industry. Um, so in that way, the fiction is just a way of, of linking yourself to your audience. Um, it reminds me of when I got my useless accounting degree, well, not useless, but an accounting degree I didn't want. One of the books that I read was called Accosting the Golden Spire, which is, I kid you not, a novel about accounting. It is an adventure novel that attempts to teach accounting principles while telling a story. It's not a good book, but it, it was the first time that I became aware of this concept. I was, I was just in college when I read it. And I'm like, well, you know, that's, that's interesting. Trying to teach someone something while they're also reading a story. This is not the way to do that, but I like the idea. Very interesting. Can you give us some examples? So you've given you know some examples. You said the realtor book, and we have a lot of for this audience. It's a it's a lot of architects, a lot of engineers, a lot of design kind of folks. Do you have any examples of those kind of businesses that have benefited well, from writing their own book? A, a client like that could definitely. You talk to anyone who has mastered a technical field and engineers. I have worked with so many engineers in the course of my career, especially as a technical writer. They're mm-hmm. all passionate about some technical aspect of what they do. So let's say I have an engineering firm and I'm wondering how could I possibly benefit from having a book? Well, stop and ask any of those engineers, what are they passionate about? There's some engineering issue or aspect or piece of technology that intrigues them and fires them up and that they believe would make a difference if more people knew about it or understood it better. So then you take that, you build around it the framework for a book. It doesn't even have to be a long book. We're not talking about lengthy publications in the realm of nonfiction. They can actually be quite short. And then you put that book together and you use it as either a means of marketing or as a calling card for your business or as a way of letting some audience know, whoever that audience is, maybe it's potential clients, maybe it's prospective employees, as a way of telling them, this is who we are and how we do it. This is, you know, we're part of this community. So books are a great way of letting an audience know that you're one of them. And nothing, there's an old sales adage that you don't sell your product, you sell you. And nothing does a better job of selling you to an audience than explaining to them, showing to them, giving them something tangible like a Mm -hmm. book that explains, I'm one of you, I'm part of this community. And therefore, you can trust me more than you would some outsider who you don't know necessarily has your best interest at heart. Um, one uh, One of the clients I've worked with many times is he does construction work. And he's very passionate about the nature of contracting and how a lot of contractors uh, take shortcuts. So a great book idea for him is, you know, the, the worst, you know, top 10 construction disasters I ever saw on the job. People would read that book just out of a sense of morbid curiosity. But when they're done, what have they come away with? A sense of trust and belief in this man, the author of the book who maybe didn't write that book word for word, but gave someone like me the ideas, and then I put it down in the book and organized it. Um, You know, this is a man who is telling you, these are bad things. I recognize them. You can trust me to look out for you and also look for these bad things so they don't happen to you. What is that that working relationship like? 
when someone comes to you, say, say for instance, it would be me, and maybe my premise is, um, what does an architect do? Because a lot of people think we build when really we're just designing. How would that process work between us? Is it a, is it a couple of sessions like this where you're just pulling information out of me? Is, is it me first, just, is it me just dumping everything on you for three hours straight? Uh, how, is, it, is it all different? It's different for every person because every person works differently. So usually what I do when I meet with a new client is I get a sense for what is it you're looking for? What's your vague idea? How developed is the idea that you have? How far do we have to take what you've got now to a workable plan? Some people have elaborate plans that are already designed. Some people just have a vague idea. Then I, I say to them, okay, what, what is the best way for you to impart the information that I need to get from you? Is this a type of relationship where I can go away and do research and therefore it will work that into the contract? Is this the kind of thing where you have personal knowledge or stories or anecdotes or, or ideas that are in your head that have to get out of your head? And what's the best way for you to get them to me? Um, I have one client who records MP3 audio files and uploads them to a drive. And then I download those files and uh, work from that. I have another client who actually works from transcriptions that he makes uh, using a, a, a natural language program. And we skip the, the sound file entirely. I, I happen to type very, very quickly. So someone sending me an audio file or sending a transcript really makes very little difference to me. Um, but there's, a, there, there's clients who have written notes. I've worked from handwritten notes that have been scanned before. Um, and I've, there's, there was a novel that I helped rewrite for a client. He had spent a tremendous amount of time trying to get down what was a beautiful autobiography of his relationship with his father. And he'd put the time in, but the book wasn't quite there. So that was a case where I simply had a manuscript and I worked with him to rewrite it based on what he had there already. So every job is different. That's one of the things that makes this job fun. You could look at sitting at a series of desks for your whole life and go, that's horrible. I could never do that. But for me, that's just a, that's a portal to endless worlds of interesting concepts and adventures and people. I have met more interesting people without ever going anywhere. Um, so many different clients from so many different walks of life, uh, fantastically interesting careers and people who've had adventures you, you, you could possibly imagine. My business partner is a former police officer and the stories he has to tell in the book that we're eventually going to put out about what he's done. Mm -hmm. Absolutely amazing stuff that will, you know, warm your heart and chill your blood. Um, it's, it's really fulfilling. Uh, and being able to move back and forth from fiction to nonfiction has also been very fulfilling because you're always, you can always switch gears. You can always do something different. There are times when you've got a lot of work to do that juggling those things can get a little weird, but you know, that's after doing this for so long, it's no longer, I never get nervous about what I'm doing. It's really more a matter of, I just need the time to sit down and figure this out. Yeah. What is, what is, what, do you have a method that you like the best out of all of those that you described? Well, it really, fiction and nonfiction are both different and every client is different. But what you boil it all down, it comes down to creating the foundation and then the outline for what you're going to do. So every book, every single book, no matter what type it is, even if it's a short pamphlet, you have to start with an outline. So when I work with a fiction client, I sit down and say, what's your concept? The first thing we need to do is plot your book. That's the hard part. Once we've plotted it, filling in the rest is relatively easy. And it's what most people consider the fun part. 
When it comes to a nonfiction book, again, it's about the outline. And if it's a complicated subject, the outline becomes more detailed. But once you know, here are my chapters, here's the content for each chapter, here's the topics I need to cover, then it's very easy to go through and just fill all that in. And sometimes you make adjustments on the fly because something didn't work or you don't have enough material or you have too much material. Mm-hmm. Um, but really, it's a, every project is laying that foundation so that you have a structure within which to work. Yeah, yeah. Uh, let's say somebody decides to do this on their own. Um, what, are, what are some challenges that you think that non-authors or beginning authors face when they're, they're trying to tackle this from the beginning? I mean, looking at that blank piece of paper, um, and how do they overcome that? Do you have any advice? That's the, there are certain challenges that every writer has to face and, and work through. One of them is, how do I start? Another is, how do I continue? Mm-hmm. Still another is, how do I wrap this up? So really, it's, it's all portions of the spectrum and everywhere in between. Um, I, there are certain tricks that I give people for working with, I don't know how to start. Well, the first thing I say is, look, if you're not sure how to start, just start describing. Now, if it's fiction, you're describing a setting. If it's nonfiction, you're describing an idea or a concept as if you're talking to another person. Just start telling me the story that you're trying to relate to me, whether it's, you know, this is how this piece of engineer equipment works, or this is what my character is thinking about or looking at. Start describing and move from there because what you put down, not only does it not have to be good, it probably won't be the final version of anything you do. One of the principles that I learned in fiction is that your first sentence is almost never your first sentence. And even if you try to not write the first sentence that comes into your head, you'll still end up chopping off those first couple of sentences because you'll find your better first sentence farther in. You can't cheat it. It's, it's some weird magic when it comes to writing. Um, and it's a, it's a principle that was taught to be my, by one of my writing mentors uh, when I was working with an IP development company down in Florida. Um, but People who then, okay, I've, I've started. I've either described or I've uh, done my best to tell my story. Then the next problem most people encounter is how do I continue? If it's nonfiction, if it's fiction, it doesn't matter. Writing anything of any length requires that you keep doing it and you'll, you'll hit these points where you're like, I don't know how to keep going. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't know if this is good. I don't know if it's going where I want it to. This is really unpleasant and I'd rather be doing anything else. Those are all common emotions. And to get through that, sometimes if it's writer's block, you need rest. That's one of the things that I discovered. Um, I was working so much at one point in my career that suddenly I was having trouble producing anything. And I'd always been the person who produced, you know, piles of material uh, very quickly. And I'm like, why, why am I having this problem? Why am I sitting down and staring at a blank sheet of paper and not accomplishing anything? What I discovered was I needed rest. Sometimes to work more, you need to work less. And that's a hard lesson for people to learn, especially when they get used to really pushing themselves. You know, there's a lot of workaholics in, in all industries, and it's easy to become that person. Um, once you've dealt with that, though, it becomes discipline. I have to force myself to sit down and accomplish. And that's the hard part. Sometimes just, you know, yes, um, I'm not having writer's block. I just don't want to be doing this. You know? That's when you have to force yourself. And, and there's tricks you can play. Like, okay, I'll write for an hour and then I'll take a break for 20 minutes or, or that kind of thing. There's lots of different uh, tricks for that type of thing. And then finally, there's how do I conclude at the mm-hmm. end of this process? That's a big obstacle that people have. Um, I might argue that Stephen King has never overcome that, pos- that problem. <laughs> because every Stephen King novel has this wonderful setup and this wonderful development. And at the end, he's like, I don't know, giant monster. 
<laughs> New England. Um, and the, the problem with, with nonfiction also is sometimes when you're writing a nonfiction book, you're not sure, where do I end this? Where am I taking this? What am I supposed to be doing? And that's where your foundation will help. If you've laid the proper foundation, you know where you're going. You know where you're trying to take this. Ending a fiction novel is a little more complicated because it's a lot more subjective. But again, your plot outline will take you there. Uh, ending a nonfiction book really comes down to every nonfiction book, your ending has to be a reiteration of what it was you were trying to do. What were you trying to accomplish? What thing were you trying to make sure they know when they walk out of the building? the figurative building of their minds if it's just sitting at a desk. It's, I look at it as a nonfiction book is like standing on stage at a TED talk. You're telling people something. When they leave, they're gonna forget most of what was in the middle. What's the thing you want them to leave with? That's the conclusion of every book. It's, it's the part of every speech where you get really quiet at the end, and then you end with a pause. And that's how you end any book. That was great. Yeah, that was really good. Uh, so if folks are listening and they still aren't convinced about writing their book, even though you've kind of laid it out, of that's a very good structure. You know, I, I actually started one last year. Um, it was sort of this uh, autobiog- autobiography thing. But if they're still not convinced after listening to you uh, why they should maybe consider this for their company or their business, what, what are other ways do you think they could use writing to benefit themselves? Maybe, maybe it's a way that they just seg- it helps them segue into a book. Well, before you get to, I'm going to produce an entire book, there's a whole realm of other writing, shorter writing, that could sort of serve as proof of concept for what you're doing. Um, in the course of my career, I have worked on countless uh, pamphlets and marketing flyers and brochures, but it isn't always physical matter. We, a lot of people get locked into that old school, I'm printing up a trifold flyer that I'm going to have printed somewhere and hand out at a trade show. That's a very old model of how this is done. Today, with the internet, it could be something as simple as web copy, as landing pages, as email follow-up series. There's a very blurred line between writing a book and writing an email campaign and writing the, the material for a website, depending on what you're trying to accomplish. And it's a lot easier to, let's say, uh, create a series of emails that are just intended to impart information in little tiny bits than it is to write an entire book. But it can sort of help you get your feet wet. And often what I've seen done and what I've done myself, you'll write a series of articles on a website, you know, in a loosely grouped. Like when I first started writing about writing, which is something that I discourage in beginning working writers, because it's very easy to get lost in writing about writing and talking about writing and how awesome it is to be a writer. Uh, you know, you, there's a lot of writers out there who's most out, most of their output is their blogs about writing. Mm-hmm. And if you're doing that, you're not getting paid. But once you've got some time in, and you start reflecting on what it is you're accomplishing and you write, say, articles about what I do. You know, I've got on my website, I wrote articles about writing. Those can then be taken and become an email series, you know, you know tips about writing. Um, and people who are interested in writing could conceivably sign up for that email series. Well, by the time you're done, what have you accomplished? You've created a book. It's a book with lots of little chapters of discrete topics. And you might find, well, I didn't set out to write a book, but I've got a book length amount of material here. So that's one way to sort of uh, dip your toe in the water of writing a book without actually ever intending to write one. Just write an article, just write a blog post, keep doing it. It's exactly like writing chapters in a book. No one writes a book, they write a chapter and they repeat. Well, you can do the same thing with a series of articles. 
Um, and those lend themselves well to nonfiction books, especially because they're so much shorter. Um, you know, a typical novel is usually about 50,000 words minimum. Um, around about 70 or 80,000, it starts to be a substantial novel. Once you get up over 100,000, you had better be George R. R. Martin or J.K. Rowling. But nonfiction books, it's not unusual for those to be 10,000 words, 20,000 words. It's not a lot in terms of real estate that you're covering with words. Yeah, I, I got three rapid fire questions for you. Uh, what is the best business book you've ever read? That is, that's a tough one because there have been so many good ones. Um, I, you're putting me on the spot. I know it. <laughs> the, the best business book I've ever actually read is this little orange book that I have on technical writing. The, the author of which I've actually forgotten um, because I just think of it as the orange book. It was always my favorite book on technical writing, but it was sort of a guide to the business of being a technical writer. Uh -huh. I'll have to see if I can dig that out somewhere. The other, the other book that is actually my best business book it's not what most people would think of as a business book at all. It's, a, it's called Pocket Ref, and it's actually just a little handy compendium of facts and figures that I have ended up going back to over and over again in multiple walks of life. Um, everything from working with engineers to wanting facts and figures for, for fiction is this little book called Pocket Ref. Um, and you can, it's, it's like millionth edition and you can find it just about everywhere. These are not typically books that people think about, you know, you say, what's your favorite business book? And you're thinking it's, you know, it's Tony Robbins or it's something by Scott Adams, or it's something, you know, much deeper into the, the business world. But I guess I've always taken a more unconventional approach to that. And I have lots and lots of business books and lots of reference books in particular. I actually am in the process of moving my library from one building to another. And I, the last time I did that, I had my brother custom build me floor to ceiling shelves because I own too many books. Yeah, I, I can I'm imagine. Trying out, trying to figure out how to reconfigure the physical space of my life to fit those books into an area that does not have the benefit of those custom shelves. And among those many, many reference books are lots of business books. And none of them speak to me the way that little pocket reference book and the way my little orange tactical writing book always did. Yeah, I just I just looked it up uh, while you were speaking. And it, it's literally called Pocket Ref. That's it. Yeah. It's Pocket Ref. And then there's like two accompanying ones, like a Handyman Ref and some other one. So check yeah. those out, everybody. Um, knowing what you know now, and if you could go back in time to when you first started your writing career, what is one piece of advice you would give yourself? Honestly, if I could go back in time, I would use a pen name because one of the things that I did along the way was journalism. And I did that for a long time. And there were times when I kind of wish I'd used a name that was not my real name. Now, this, I don't mean to scare anybody off. For most people, this will never be an issue. But when I first started working in writing, I did a lot of journalism. And depending on the types of topics you cover, that can make enemies. Um, I did a lot of martial arts journalism because that was a topic area of interest for me. And that especially makes enemies because it's just the nature of that, that world. Hmm. So... It, it, you wouldn't think, but, but yeah, it was, so it, I remember making the conscious decision to sort of hang out my shingle when I first created my very first philomore.com website, which at the time was like the free website hosted through my internet service provider back in the days of dial-up modems. Uh, it was a conscious decision. I said to myself, I'm marketing me. That's what I'm doing. So if I'm going to be a writer, if I'm going to offer this service to people, I have to be out there and market me. And in retrospect, I wouldn't, you know, I say I'd go back and use a pen name, probably only for the martial arts journalism. I, I still stick by 
the fact that you're selling you because of that old sales adage that that's what you're selling. Right. And plus you can come up with a really cool pen name, right? I mean, not that your name isn't cool, is Phil. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Bill, this has been fantastic. Um, you have actually kind of re-inspired me to maybe pick up the pen again or the keyboard rather um, and pick up where I left off. I got two chapters done. One and one I just cranked out in like a whole morning and then another one, same sort of thing. And then I just kind of quit. Uh, but where can people find and follow you and, and, and also find the self-publishing report and the ghostwriting report if they're interested? We have a Facebook group, which is uh, facebook.com slash group slash self-publishing report, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, that's this Facebook group is where we'll be releasing. It's a four week writer's fast class that tackles some of these issues, mostly for fiction, but also for nonfiction. Um, you can always find me at philomore.com online and I'll be happy to you know, refer you to whatever it is we're currently doing. And I'll be linking there to what, whatever final versions of, of these ventures are going to be uh, because we're still developing some of them. I've done this work for 25 years, but self-publishing report and ghostwriting report are brand new. Um, and it's been really, uh, as you felt sort of reinvigorated, I have felt sort of a renewed passion for, for helping people. I, I've done private coaching. I have one student in particular who is a teenager and who's a better writer as a teenager than some people I've worked with who have been doing this for quite some time. And it's so inspirational to watch someone improve and listen to what you tell them and get better um, and then come up with new ideas on their own and do things that you're like, I kind of want to steal that. That's really cool. And it's, it's so much fun. I, at the end of the day, I have such, such passion for the sort of the work of writing um, because it, it helps so many people and it brings so much joy to so many people. And that's ironic because if you look up quotes from famous authors, they're all miserable. I once, I wrote a book on writing once for a, for a client. I looked up a bunch of quotes from some of the world's most famous authors and those quotes were really dark. Oh and yeah. I, and I don't understand why, because yes, a lot of the world's most famous authors were, were drunkards who didn't seem terribly happy with their lives, but writing itself has brought me so much happiness and it does, does that for so many other people. Right now, there's countless people out there who are writing in, you know, those spiral notebooks that they think will never see the light of day, or they're writing on computer files, they're sitting in Starbucks, you know, writing the great American novel, and they're like, I don't know if I'm ever going to do anything with this, or even if I'll ever want someone to see it. All of those people can bring those dreams to fruition. Um, and, and that's to include all the self, uh, all the small businesses, all the self-employed people, all the big businesses that want to find new ways to reach and develop their, their markets and their audiences. Um, it's just such a versatile way to accomplish what you want to accomplish. And it all comes from your brain. Uh, yeah. Well. It's, it's all you spill it onto the pages. Phil, this was great. If anybody, if anybody uh, would like to find out how they can get a hold of Phil, they can just go to, I just looked it up, uh, Phil. So it's P H I L Elmore E L M O R E.com. I think they could probably get a hold of you there. Um, Phil, this was great. I wish you all the best and I hope you much success in the future. Thanks for being on the show today. Thank you so much. Uh, And if you want to talk about your book, I'm always here. All righty. See ya.